thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Lord, I pray you speak this morning. I pray you open our ears and our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm continuing a series uh, today called Unlocking the Parables. I have really enjoyed this series because I am learning so much every week uh, in these studies. But uh, just to kind of recap why we are looking at this, this series, uh, a parable is most often defined as a heaven or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But Jesus said in Matthew 13, it's so much more than just an example. Uh, he said that the parables uh, are revelations of the secrets of the kingdom of God. Psalm, uh, or Matthew 13 says he's the fulfillment of Psalm 78 two, which said, I will speak in parables and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. What was happening when Jesus spoke his 44 or so parables is he was revealing secrets that had been hidden since the creation of the world. Now that's fascinating to me. And that's what this series is about, discovering those secret things of the kingdom of God that are hidden within these parables. Now, so far, we looked at Jesus's first parable in the book of Matthew, which is the parable of the soils or the parable of the the seeds. And then last week, we looked at the parable of the wineskins, the old wine being the law and the new wine of grace and how the Pharisees had the old wineskin, the mentality of the law, and they couldn't grasp the teaching of grace that Jesus was bringing. Now today we're going to begin looking at what are known as the kingdom parables. This is when Jesus gave parables that were in reference to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Those two are used interchangeably uh, in the gospels. So we're going to read together Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. It says, Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast or like leaven that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Now I find this parable to be kind of straightforward Uh, So I was actually a little surprised to find that this is one of the more controversial parables in all of the Bible. The interpretation of this parable, specifically of the parable of the yeast, is interpreted mainly in two ways, and they are polar opposites. And what I want to do is I want to first just share with you the one that I disagree with. Uh, You're fine to to see it that way. I'm not going to kick you out. Uh, But we're going to start with that, and then I want to share with you why I believe the way that, that I do. Uh, But the the parable of the yeast, the interpretation that I don't agree with, uh, that some people do, uh, even some people who are smarter than me believe this, but they say that the the yeast is evil and the flour is the kingdom of God. Uh, They say, therefore, the meaning of the, the parable of the kingdom of God with the yeast is that there will always be Uh, some degree of evil influencing the kingdom of God. Now, what does this look like? It looks like false prophets. It looks like false teachers. It looks like people who use the gospel to their own advantage and use the gospel to take advantage of others. Now, what's the basis for this interpretation of saying that the yeast represents evil? Well, the basis uh, is, to some degree, the Bible. Now, what I mean by that is 
when the Bible talks about yeast, most of scripture, it's in a negative context. For instance, just a few chapters after this in Matthew 16, Jesus says, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is their, their doctrines and it's their hypocrisy. Paul talks about yeast in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, get rid of the old bread, which is leavened uh, or, or has the yeast of malice and wickedness. And in Galatians, Paul refers to legalism uh, as a form of yeast that works its way into the dough. So to some degree, there is a biblical framework for this interpretation that says uh, the yeast here represents evil. Uh, and there are many scholars, there are many theologians, there are probably many pastors that, that you have heard and respect that hold to this. So I want to share with you why I don't think that's accurate. Uh, for one, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. So there, there's just a, a good start. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that works its way into the, the dough. Second, yeast is not always negative. Uh, there are times in the Bible where the Israelites are commanded by God to bake bread and to put yeast in it, to leaven the bread, and even to sacrifice that to God. Uh, there are, in fact, rabbinic uh, proverbs that use least in a, uh, yeast in a positive light. I have one of them on the screen, uh, Greg, that says, uh, Great is peace in that peace is to the earth as leaven is to the dough. So I don't think yeast itself is supposed to indicate evil. I believe yeast is representative, representative of something that permeates and affects change, something that permeates and then spreads, something small but with great influence. So for the Pharisees, yeah, the yeast was their teachings, their hypocrisy, their false doctrines, because it would permeate their own hearts and it would spread among those who would give them the time of day. Uh, it would spread among one another. Paul was saying that uh, sin can be like yeast. Why did he say that? Because if you allow sin in your life and you just allow it uh, to stay there and not go anywhere, it's be gonna begin to permeate you and penetrate you and begin to spread. Uh, and, and then he said it's the same way with legalism. Now, uh, I believe Jesus was saying that his kingdom is like yeast in a positive way. And one third and final way that I believe that, last week we looked at the Gospel of Luke. And we looked at actually the structure of Luke points to the interpretation of the parable we looked at last week. Uh, check that out online if you didn't get to see it. Um, but Matthew does something similar, similar in Matthew chapter 13 with his parables. The way that he structures the parables actually lends itself to the interpretation. So in Matthew 13, uh, he lays out six parables in pairs. So they're paired with one another. He begins with the parable of the soils, which is immediately followed by the parable of the weeds, which we haven't looked at in depth. Now, both of these parables address obstacles to the kingdom of God. They're two separate parables, but they appear one after the other, and they address the obstacles to the kingdom of God, whether it's worries of this life, whether it's pleasures of this life, whether it's persecution, they both address those obstacles. And then Jesus gives the two parables we're looking at today, and then he gives two more parables after that that are coupled alongside one another. It's the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl. Now, these two, uh, the, the treasure is about a man who discovers treasure in a field. 
So he sells everything he has to acquire the treasure. And the very next uh, uh, parable is a man who discovers a pearl of great value. So he sells everything he has to acquire the, the pearl. Those two parables together are about the value of the kingdom of God. So it's important to recognize that Matthew is laying out the parables synonymously in groups of two with the same meaning. And the reason it's important to see that is because there's very little debate about the meaning of the mustard seed parable. The kingdom of God would start small and it would grow to be something of great influence. So I don't see why Jesus would put a synonymous parable to begin it and a synonymous parable at the end and then put two parables in the middle that have opposite meanings. Uh, I just don't see it... Um, but those two, those, those two, or the two parables we're looking at today are about the growth of the kingdom of God or the spread of the kingdom of God. Now, to begin this morning, we're going to look at it from the perspective of those who are hearing Jesus in that moment. What was the immediate truth? And then a little later, we're going to make it uh, applicable uh, to us today. But we're going to begin. We're going to look back at that, the first parable Jesus told, beginning in verse 31 again. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, just practically speaking, I think that this was a parable that the disciples really needed to hear. Because from the time that Jesus stepped out of the garden where he was tempted by, by Satan, he began preaching, repent, why? For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come near you. And then in Matthew chapter 10, again, he tells his disciples, go out with this message and tell everyone you come in contact with that the kingdom of heaven has come near. So this reference to the kingdom of God and to the kingdom of heaven that we're talking about uh, is a reference to Jesus's teachings and his ministry. Now, what comes to mind when we think about the kingdom of heaven uh, I don't know about for you, but for me, it's kind of grandeur. I mean, the, the streets of gold and, and angels that are singing 24-7, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, we're, we're talking about just the, the, the vastness, the magnitude of the kingdom of God. And the people of the day, even his own disciples, had the expectations that when the Messiah came, his kingdom would look something like that. So when Jesus arrived and instead his kingdom looks like going from village to village and sometimes being kicked out, sometimes being persecuted, being called names, they're looking at this guy and they're saying, well, he's got to be the Messiah because look at everything he's doing. But there's this elephant in the room of saying, if he's the Messiah, why doesn't the kingdom look like the Old Testament said the kingdom would look like? So logically they are saying, it doesn't add up for us. There's the Messiah, but his kingdom does not meet my expectations. And even in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, after his resurrection, they gather around Jesus and they say, hey, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel again? In other words, now are you going to make the kingdom what we expected all this time for the kingdom to look like? So when Jesus uh, is there and he gives them this parable, there is some necessity to it because he's saying the kingdom of God, we did a series a while back and I handed these out, is like this little mustard seed. 
Now, again, in their minds, they're thinking of the magnitude of the kingdom of God. And Jesus pulls out this tiny mustard seed and says, actually, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It begins tiny. It begins in a little stable in Bethlehem. It begins going village to village and sometimes getting kicked out. But it grows and it becomes the largest, the largest tree and the largest bush in the entire garden. Now, I was uh, uh, listening to, to a, a teaching this week. It's a guy that, that does a teaching. It's called Walking the Text. And it's really interesting. I encourage you to, to look it up. But he was talking about this time that he went to Israel. And, he, you know, he did all the tours. And he came back to America. And he had to go through customs. And they ask you that question, do you have any soils or any seeds from the other country? Well, uh, he had with him some sand from Israel, some sand from Caesarea. He had like some, some ashes from a, a burn pile from the 8th century BC, and he had some mustard seeds. So he pulls out these little baggies of everything, and he says, yeah, I, I do have some sands and you know some seeds. And the guy looks at him, he says, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, you can't have any of it. And the guy, he, he's, he kind of pushes back. He's like, you don't know what all of this means to me. You know, th th this is my, my life here, and, and this is just it's so important to me that I carry this. And he says, if, if you'll let me go and take this, as soon as I get home, I'll put it in a jar, and it'll be sealed forever. And, and the guy says, I'm sorry, you can't take any of it. And he says, you don't understand what this means to me. And the guy says, do you promise me? When you get home, this goes straight into a jar, straight into a jar, and it's never open. And the guy says, I promise you. And he says, fine, you can take it all except for those mustard seeds. And the guy says, that's fine. I'm great with that. But why is that? And the guy said, because if those mustard seeds touch our soil, they will spread like wildfire. And the guy, because he's a pastor, gets kind of excited about that because he just got a good sermon illustration. But that is why Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed because it starts so small, but it spreads like wildfire. And then he says that, that it actually grows so, so large that the birds of the air, they perch in its branches and they find rest in its shade. Now, that's actually significant because if we go and we look at the Old Testament and everything has these Old Testament references, in the Old Testament, when they talked about birds, especially like birds perching in the branches of trees, it was a reference to Gentile nations. It was a reference to non-Jewish nations, not Israel. And what Jesus was saying is this kingdom is going to grow so large that even the Gentile nations will take part in its fruit. They'll find rest here and they'll find a place to perch here. So Jesus is telling them, for a practical reason, the kingdom starts small, but it grows very large. And then he says in verse 33, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed, and literally it means she hid in about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, 60 pounds of flour is a massive amount of flour Emily bakes sourdough bread a lot, and, and uh, to save money, we buy 25 bags of, pound bags of flour at a time, and they're huge, and this is over double that. We are talking about a lot of flour, but Jesus is giving this image and saying it only takes a little bit of starter, a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven to spread through all of that flour, and that yeast is a transforming agent 
wherever it goes, wherever it touches. And he says in this parable, he says it's like yeast mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the dough, all through the dough. And I just think about something that Jesus said. Jesus said that he would not return until the gospel of the kingdom had been preached in the entire world. In other words, until that yeast had permeated all of the dough, just like the, the parable says. Once the, the yeast of the kingdom of God, the gospel message has permeated the entire earth, touched every nation, tribe, and tongue, that's just another Bible uh, fulfillment of prophecy before the return of Christ. But as I was looking at, at these two parables this week, I noticed one glaring difference between the two. You have the mustard seed and you have the yeast. I want you to hear this, this, this difference. The seed only produces, it only produces fruit if it dies. But the yeast only produces fruit if it lives. Now, Jesus even said in John 24 that, that if a seed falls to the ground, it just remains a single seed. But if it, if it dies, it produces many seeds. The mustard seed can only produce anything if it dies. Yet yeast, if you put dead yeast into a batch of dough, nothing happens. The yeast has to be alive. And it's actually an image of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he gave his life on the cross. That seed, that seed died in that moment. But even within this parable, he says, but then there's the yeast. And the yeast only creates change if it lives. And we know three days later, he was resurrected. And then there's the life of Christ. So the death and resurrection is even uh, pictured in this parable. Now, that's the practical side of the parable. But I think it's a very, uh, very applicable side to us because in Luke chapter 17, it says, once being asked by the Pharisees, this is verse 20, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And a literal translation of that is the kingdom of God is within you. And what that means is when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God in these parables, the mustard seed and the yeast, he's actually talking about the kingdom of God within us as well. See, the, the truths of the mustard seed, first of all, uh, it starts small. So your ministry for Christ doesn't start influencing thousands and thousands of people, but it might start influencing someone in your workplace. And it's why God calls us to be faithful in the little things, faithful in small beginnings. The mustard seed starts small, and then we watch our faith grow. It doesn't start out massive. See, with Jesus, it seems there was this question of, of, is the kingdom of God really present, and is it advancing? Because you don't see that in the mustard seed initially. And I think Renee even mentioned it this morning. Sometimes things don't look like we expect them to look. It doesn't mean that that seed is not germinating. It doesn't mean that, that what we have put into our faith and into our relationship God, uh, with God is, is not creating growth. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes it's just a seed just under the ground. 
But if we'll stay faithful in those small things, Jesus says, I'll make you a ruler of many things. That mustard seed in our lives will become a, a, a branch and it'll become trees. Second, if the parable of yeast is meant to give the image of the kingdom of God being placed within the earth, and then he says the kingdom of God is within you, then, then what he's talking about here is the kingdom of God within you has been purposefully placed within the earth. Now, the yeast, again, is an agent of change and transformation. So if the kingdom of God is within us, then what he's saying is you have been hidden in the earth. You have been purposefully uh, placed in the earth for a purpose to create change, to be an agent of change and transformation. Renee, you can go ahead and come if you would. But my final point with that is this. Seed only produces fruit if it dies, and yeast only produces fruit if it lives. So you say, Pastor, am I supposed to die and live? Because that's kind of contradicting one another. Well, sort of. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasant to God. This is your true and proper worship. Those are oxymorons if you don't catch that. A living sacrifice. How can you be living and be a sacrifice? Well, that's exactly what Jesus is called to in the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. He's saying, you have to die and you have to live. You have to die to your, to your own desires and your own flesh. And you have to live for Christ. You have to take up your cross daily and live for Christ. Paul said, I die daily. Do we make that decision? Uh, today I'm going to die to my pride. I'm going to place my pride on the cross and, and I'm going to live for Christ. That's what creates living sacrifices. That what, that's what creates growth in the kingdom of God is when there is first death and then there is life. Uh, the other aspect of that, aspect of that is uh, that yeast is placed within the, the earth. It's placed within the flower. That kingdom of God within you has been placed in this region, which means it can't stay in this building. You have been placed in your workplace, in your realm of influence for a purpose, to bring the kingdom of God to those around you. You guys stand with me. Lord, this morning as a, as a church, I pray that we would lay down our rights and lay down our lives. That we would take up our cross, Lord, and we would make a decision this morning to live for you. place that we go as living sacrifices for you and for your glory. Church, as Renee leads us, just invite the, the, the Spirit of God to speak to your heart. Lord, I pray we leave this place as agents of change. Wherever we go, Lord, that we would bring about change for the good, Lord, for your kingdom. 
that picnic next next week, please do. And uh, anything, Jen? Steelers, did they win yesterday? Go Steelers, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.